Hello and welcome to the Hindu's Parley podcast. The rupee has declined 7.4% since the start of 2022 and is now trading in the 79 to 80 range against the dollar. The US greenback has strengthened against other currencies too, acting as a safe haven as investors move away from emerging market investments. The rupee's steep and quick slide is bound to impact our importers, widen the current account deficit and help inflate our external debt. But how much of a problem is all this going to be for the Indian economy? To help us with perspectives, we have with us today Yes Bank chief economist Indranil Pan and Zico Dasgupta, assistant professor at Azim Premji University. Thank you for joining us today to help us with perspectives on the rupee. Really appreciated. Thank you. Happy to be here with you. Pleasure. Dr. Dasgupta. So, you know, one of the first questions I wanted to um, ask you was the um, one, of course, uh, you know, it has several repercussions, the declining rupee uh, consequences on several fronts. But, you know, before we delve into the granularity of issues facing our country, would you say that a declining rupee is actually a crisis or an opportunity? Um, if you have to, you know, give a short summary before we... Well, I would say it's a matter of concern because the question of opportunity essentially arises uh, when one talks about its positive impact on trade balance and net exports. Uh, now, that seems to be limited at the present juncture for two reasons. Uh, first of all, despite depreciation in the nominal exchange rate, uh, we have seen that the real exchange rate has not really depreciated in the recent period. And that is what essentially matters for the questions of trade balance and exports. And second, in the more medium run, in the, in the last two, three decades or so, the sensitivity of exports itself has been weak as far as changes in the real exchange rate is concerned. Uh, on the other hand, I think there is a matter of concern for falling rupee, uh, not exactly on the grounds of uh, the kind of instability that we have witnessed in, say, in Sri Lanka or in other developing countries, uh, but particularly because it adds to the inflationary pressure and squeezes the purchasing power of those whose income is not linked to the prices. Okay, got that. Declining rupee, it's been on a decline for several months now. It has you know, several uh, repercussions, but if we just uh, take a look at the uh, current account deficit problem, it obviously, it's a vicious cycle. Uh, a widening deficit puts pressure on the rupee, a weakening rupee actually exacerbates the current account deficit problem. How dire do you think this uh, CAD issue is? Some predictions point that it could go right up to 4% of GDP in the first half of this financial year. Uh, you know, Earlier hints by officials of RBI have indicated that they can you know, it's healthy at 3% or below. But do you think we're looking at any unhealthy signs, something that the government has to immediately act on? Mr. Pan? Yeah, so uh, on a broad basis, uh, uh, we have not segregated the uh, current account deficit between uh, quarters. But having said that, our broad indication that we are working with at this point in time uh, is a 3% level on the current account deficit as a proportion of GDP. Uh, with the assumption that oil is at around 110. If oil is at 120, uh, the current account deficit as a proportion of GDP goes up to 3.3%. Now, uh, the current account deficit from an RBI's perspective, the moment it crosses 2.5%, there are red flags that uh, come over the current account deficit. 
But I think more importantly, at this point in time, uh, rather than only looking at the current account deficit, we need to find out whether we have adequate flows on the capital side to bridge the current account deficit. And if we do, then even if the current account deficit is at 3%, it might not be a very strenuous situation for the economy. Currently, what is happening is that because of the changing landscape in terms of the monetary policy cycle globally, but the emerging market flows have actually dried up. In fact, there are more outflows now from the emerging market uh, uh, than anything else. So you have a net outflow. Uh, and to bridge the differential, uh, the RBI therefore has to come and sell dollars in the spot market to contain the depreciation pressure. So that I think is the critical uh, issue that we need to sort of look at. At this point in time, even at a $580 billion reserves that we have, I think the uh, the position is relatively more comfortable than we were in 2013. By this, I clearly mean that it's not a time to sleep over it. Definitely, you need to be active and trying to see whatever ways the either the capital flow improves. And, and very clearly, the RBI has come out with certain policies on that. Or uh, try and determine uh, how the current account gap uh, can be closed by actually trying to reduce the imports. Uh, going forward, I think there can be a natural adjustment in the sense that the higher inflation and the tighter monetary policy domestically obviously uh, would imply uh, that there is a downward bias in terms of domestic demand and therefore non-oil, non-gold imports are likely to be softer uh, or expected to be softer. Fears of a global recession in the months ahead could also lead to some downward pressure on the crude oil prices and that also is likely to be positive for the uh, current account. Just a thought over here is that even as we talk on the import side, uh, the critical issue may also be on the exports dynamics because the global slowdown may actually also require or, or uh, sort of indicate uh, that exports may actually come down uh, from the current levels. And that is something that we really need to watch out for uh, to uh, determine how the current account uh, moves from here on. Okay. Actually, you touched upon a lot of my follow-up questions, but let's see if you can uh, go into a certain level of granularity going forward. That was very insightful, uh, sir. Dr. Das Gupta? I think at this point of time, uh, it's not a typical crisis as, as one would see in, as, as one would have witnessed, say, in particularly in the case of Sri Lanka. But there is, whenever there is a deterioration of current account deficits, uh, the good thing about the Indian economy is that, of course, it has uh, high levels of foreign exchange reserves. What one needs to be concerned with is the question of expectations, that whenever XP or any exchange rate starts depreciating, there is always an expectation of further depreciation, which can lead to further capital outflows. And in that context, uh, the central bank needs to be needs to keep an eye on the entire situation. Uh, but right now, it's not uh, a, a crisis as serious as Sri Lanka, but it's a matter of concern. 
So, what point, if you just look at CAD in isolation, I'm sure there are other aspects, but at what point do you think we'll tip over? Will you have a red flag at a certain number? Well, I, I, I won't be able to give you an exact level. Uh, as, as I said, that it's not only a question of deterioration of foreign exchange reserves or depletion of foreign exchange reserves, which would be relevant for many developing countries. Uh, for Indian economy itself, depletion of foreign exchange reserves, if, if it goes on for, uh, say, for example, a month or so, it is not that a matter of concern as compared to other developing countries. But then the question of instability or expectations arises, the questions of capital outflows arises. That needs to be kept in mind. Mr. Pan, so you talked about the uh, forex reserves that the RBI has at a comfortable level of 580 billion and, you know, even if we compare it favorably with 2013, uh, there have been reports uh, that say that RBI could well be mentally prepared to spend, say, another $100 billion to be able to defend the rupee and, you know, keep it at a certain level. Though, uh, you know, very, very recently, uh, the RBI governor has also said that uh, level is not we look at uh, what we look at, but volatility is what we'd like to stem. Uh, that's something we'd be very strictly guarding against. So given that, uh, would you think, you know, even if we are $100 billion down, are we still at a healthy position or, you know, if you were to counsel the RBI, you'd say, you know, stop here so far and no farther in terms of spending dollars to defend the rupee? Well, uh, uh, in the journey upward, in terms of how much reserves you need, uh, there is no thumb rule to indicate that this is enough. And that's clearly the messaging from the RBI when flows were adequate, current account deficit was low, and the RBI was actually managing to sort of uh, mop up a lot of resources and hence build up the FX resources to around a $630, $635 billion level. On the downside, again, it's a very tricky question. Uh, there is no such level which is considered to be adequate uh, in terms of how much you need to sort of you can give up and therefore be comfortable with. The critical issue, in my opinion here, is, as you rightly said, uh, it's not the level, it's the volatility. Uh, and if the depreciation pressure is gradual, in line with the fact that global monetary policy is tightening and other emerging market currencies are also weakening, the RBI shouldn't mind in allowing the Indian currency to also depreciate. And remember, we are anyways a capital scares economy. So our currency will continue to depreciate over the years. It's the pace that we are talking about. Uh, we probably need to tell the corporates that they need to have a better hedging strategy when the currency is more or less stable or slightly on the appreciation side. The fear is that, and I think Dr. Das also in today's commentary in the morning did also touch upon uh, the type of unhedged positions that are there in the market. Uh, so those are something that are more critical in the journey ahead, given the, uh, given the huge number of uncertainties, moving pieces, known unknowns, unknown unknowns uh, that are emerging on the landscape at this point in time. Per se, currency depreciation is not bad because it helps maintain the competitive pressure for yourself and also to a certain extent, it helps uh, keep a check on the amount of imports that the country is ready to do because the moment currency depreciates, the prices of importables go up and that acts as a, a sort of a downward bias to the overall demand uh, on the import side. 
of course x oil because oil is something which is relatively more inelastic uh, so uh, again sort of repeating currency depreciation is not bad the pace is what is something to worry about and i think uh, the pace has not been uh, not been bad enough in the current instance and uh, unlike in 2013 when the currency had actually depreciated very sharply over a just a few uh, sort of trading sessions we have not really seen that happening at this point in time and which is i think uh, much credibility to the reserve bank of india for having uh, been able to manage that dr das gupta well i think that's uh, you know uh, depleting foreign exchange reserves uh, i don't think it's uh, i mean the rbi has any other option than to do that i mean it's an exogenous shock uh, one kind of an exogenous shock to the indian economy uh but i think that there is hardly any way to say that uh, you know if one spends that amount uh, some x amount of foreign exchange dollars uh, one is safe uh, precisely because uh, you know uh, think about the east asian uh, experience back in the mid 90s all the southeast asia or east asian countries uh, were doing pretty well as far as their external sectors were concerned or the economy is concerned uh when the crisis hit uh when the capital started outflowing uh, it was not only a question of depletion of foreign exchange reserves it was the expectations of depletion of foreign exchange reserves and the combination of exchange rate depreciation which led to the instability so as long as uh, the capital outflow doesn't stop uh, flowing out of the country there will always be a matter of concern for the economy no matter to what extent the foreign exchange reserve is depleted Okay, so which means we are in for a time of turmoil, but not too many tools at hand to be able to stem uh, the outflows. Because after all, you said it's an exogenous shock, and uh, capital outflows are happening obviously because interest rate differentials are there, and there's a safe haven concern. So uh, investors are going back, uh, pulling out of emerging markets, and so on. And FDI, obviously, in a time of uncertainty, FDI may flow in, but probably in a trickle rather than. in a surge uh, if at all that happens so there's not something we can do because as a country we've talked about the pli scheme the performance linked incentive scheme uh, and so on and so forth but even if that takes effect it's going to be in the medium to long term so if i have to look at the next 12 months looks like we just have to grit our teeth and weather the storm No, I think there are two issues. That are, of course, that it's an uh, exogenous shock, uh, but it's not that uh, there exists hardly any policy instrument to deal with that, or at least for damage control. I think there are two issues at hand. Uh, first of all, what needs to be noted that uh, okay, why is the, the the falling rupees is more of a problem? That one, of course, there is an instability kind of a problem, which is not the case at this juncture. But there is also a question of inflationary pressures. Now, if we look at the trend in the nominal exchange rate and the real exchange rate, one would see that the real exchange rate remains stable in the Indian economy in the last uh, two years or so, despite the nominal exchange rate depreciating. What it means is that the the domestic prices are rising faster than the international prices. That is that is the reason why the real exchange rate is stable. uh which means that the fact that there exists domestic uh, factors related to the question of prices uh the policies might come in over there say for example how to ease uh, inflationary pressure in the agricultural sector 
uh, how to compensate uh, the income of those whose uh, whose income is getting squeezed due to higher prices because their income is not linked to the prices. Uh, I think the policy questions would come particularly over there. And as far as the stability questions or exchange rate questions are concerned, uh, the RBI needs to keep an eye on the situation and ensure a mix of exchange rate adjustment as, as well as depletion of foreign exchange reserves uh, to maintain some, some stability in the exchange rates. Okay, um, Mr. Pan. I know there are a lot of dots to connect. You talked about imports and maybe the you know exports could be suppressed because of a looming recession. And hopefully the CAD will you know even itself out, especially if oil also goes down because of the threat of recession. But um, if imports go down, I mean imports have been growing much faster than exports, uh, then it does automatically touch upon our growth rates as well, right? I mean that's something that we'll have to brace ourselves for. I know we, we our growth can slow. But how slow will it become is a matter open to question. So, fortunately or unfortunately, we are uh, fixated on the uh, level of growth. Uh, we talk about a 7, 7.2, 7.5, as if there's a huge differential between a 7 and a 7.5. Uh, the problem here, however, is that we miss out the, on the quality of growth. Uh, and uh, to talk on a much larger canvas, I think the quality of growth for an economy like India's is important because if the spending capacity is only with the top 10% of the population, you obviously reach a bliss point in terms of how much you are ready to spend and the type of goods that you need. So there is obviously a need and a necessity for uh, shrinking the lower base of the pyramid and pushing those people higher on to the pyramid. Uh, and that unfortunately has to a certain extent reversed in the phase of the pandemic. And uh, that's the reason why we see a continuous uh, sort of drag on the personal consumption expenditure. Now, some of the ramifications from the external world in terms of the demand uh, side story and how much India is able to export uh, and that is a function of how the external world grows. But to a certain extent, we would therefore expect softening of the export side. And imports also is likely to soften uh, in the same fashion. So till the point in time, you still have a growth which is credible enough. Uh, that shouldn't create a problem in my opinion so far as the currency dynamics is concerned. The currency dynamics in my opinion comes into play when there are not only growth slowdown as a story, but there are exposures uh, that or there are chinks that are, that are seen uh, within the macro landscape. Uh, and that is something that the policymakers need to be uh, more aware of uh, than just looking at the growth. Uh, by the way, we at ES Bank are currently working with a, a real GDP number of 7% uh, compared to RBI 7.2%. Uh, but very surely, uh, we have a, a relative downward bias on these GDP numbers because the inflation has hit us squarely uh, and because the monetary tightening is also uh, sort of happening along with a widening of the trade gap uh, uh, for India. Dr. Das Gupta? Well, till now, uh, the policy measure has been exclusively dependent on the monetary policy. Uh, and that has its, uh, you know, that has its own limitations uh, in, in, in for, for two reasons at least. Um, first of all, uh, 
the what the interest rate is expected to do is essentially two things first of all it is uh, it is expected that it will stabilize inflation rate uh, primarily and that's the entire objective but the, but the the trend in the indian the indian economy would suggest that the relationship between uh, output on one hand and inflation rate on the other what is the kind of relationship which is which is termed as the phillips curve in the literature that phillips curve has been flat in the indian economy in the sense that inflation rate changes for reasons uh, other than the demand factors or or for many factors other than demand uh, and those factors cannot be combated by the changes in the interest rates uh, on the other hand higher interest rate or higher repo rates has adverse impact on output and that is precisely the reason why rbi has uh, has predicted that uh, there would be a fall in the in the, in the gdp growth rate in the coming days both due to higher inflation rate and of course now the repo rate has increased i think what needs to be done is a greater dependence on the fiscal instrument and uh, so there are only two ways to do that the first way is to increase some kind of a corporate tax to finance additional government expenditures particularly in compensating um, labor's income and uh, secondly the question of the second option relates to rethinking about fiscal policy rules itself that to what extent uh, in the midst of this uh, present uh, slowdowns um, the the fiscal po- policy rules that we follow is is relevant and useful for us so i am going to request you uh, dr dasgupta to elaborate on both of these points because uh, you talked about higher corporate tax rate and uh, i don't know if the government is in a mood maybe you know after announcing uh, you know just pre pandemic uh, it talked about very low rates of you know flat 15% if i'm not mistaken for new uh, manufacturing units to be set in in order to encourage growth and they were probably thinking about the china plus one opportunity where there was de-risking thought by you know multinational companies and obviously vietnam and philippines have done better than we have since even the announcement of the tax uh, low tax Uh, benefit but uh, one do you think there is any possibility that the government would consider uh, a higher uh, corporate tax um, and then we'll go on to the second point please elaborate on this your thoughts yeah uh, two things uh, first of all whenever i'm talking about uh, corporate profit tax uh, it's it's one is talking about direct tax uh, which uh, which which is essentially taxed on either uh, on, on on the exposed profit uh, or one can even think about some kind of a wealth tax uh the point being that these taxes are not, not supposed to play any role uh, as far as influencing the prices are concerned because typically prices would be influenced by indirect taxes now as far as the taxing uh, the question of taxation is a it involves increasing the fiscal space because uh, given the fiscal policy rules if it is the case that the government targets a specific levels of debt gdp ratio or fiscal deficit gdp ratio and one wants to compensate uh, you know labor income or increase government expenditure to boost demand in either of the cases uh, either one requires uh, 
relaxing the fiscal deficit target or increase the taxes. These are the only two options left uh, in, the, in, in, in the hand of the policymaker. Uh, the tax uh, route uh, seems to be plausible because corporate tax rate changes uh, historically has hardly uh, any significant impact on corporate investment rates. If one uh, compares the trend of the corporate investment rate over time and thinks about how it has been affected by changes in the corporate tax ratios, uh, there has hardly been any changes. Say, for example, uh, 2018 19, when there was a huge corporate tax concession, there was hardly an impact on the corporate investment rates as such. Uh, so, I think there would be some space of uh, thinking about increasing the pool of corporate profits. Uh, one way would be, of course, the tax rate, but the other would be also uh, doing away with different kinds of corporate tax concessions. Uh, so, for example, at this point of time, it would, the, the amount would be largely around 5 lakh crores of rupees. So, even if one squeezes that amount of corporate tax concession, there would be a lot of fiscal space available, it seems. Okay. And you talked about uh, even rethinking policy rules, uh, the fiscal policy rules. Uh, can you please elaborate on that line of thought? Right. Uh, so, so at this point of time, the broad fiscal policy framework goes as the following. Uh, that the fiscal policy uh, targets a specific level of debt GDP ratio. In other words, it, take, it, it targets maintaining debt stability and the job of the monetary policy is to target the output gap and thereby control inflation rate. Uh, now the, the, the problem with this is this that the intensity of the slowdown is so much that interest rate is being unable to do the job of compensating uh, either the output growth rate or labor income as such and now there is an added pressure of increasing uh, interest rates. Now the fact that uh, now the fiscal policy needs to play a role of boosting demand uh, that is not exactly consistent with the present policy framework because the present policy framework uh, by its very design fiscal policy is meant to meant, is, is meant to stabilize debt GDP ratio it is not meant to boost either output growth rate or labor income. In that context, one needs to think about the purpose of the fiscal policy rule in the first place given the intensity of the slowdown and the crisis that we are facing Got it. So, if I have to veer away from uh, fiscal policy as such and just look at some uh, data on the external debt situation. It's interesting, uh, Mr. Pan, you talked about um, exposures and, you know, one thing uh, that rang a bell there was the uh, external debt situation. You know, the more the rupee depreciates, then the value of the external debt, especially amounts that are coming up for complete closure within the next 12 months, and I saw figures like $267 billion uh, out of the 621 out total outstanding debt coming up for full repayment in less than 12 months. That would probably add pressure to the rupee. But uh, do you think that's a cause for concern? Or if it's mostly commercial borrowings, then companies will anyway line up other lines of credit in foreign exchange. Does that worry you at all? So, so uh, again, it's a very uh, sort of tricky question to answer at this point in time. Obviously, uh, you will be looking at uh, uh, ECBs to uh, sort of uh, uh, or external borrowings to repay the current borrowings that you have. Uh, now, my point is that is that a scenario which worries or uh, is it the returns on the ECBs that really worries in the sense that 
if these ecp positions had been kept unhedged and you are now faced up to a relatively sharper currency depreciation than what uh, you have anticipated uh, when you had taken the ecb uh, with the perspective of some returns to that ecb being calculated whether the returns now fall short of the uh, extent of repayments that you have to do uh, in terms of the currency depreciation having happened that that's point number 1 point number 2 is that i am not really worried about the longer term ecbs uh, because uh, uh, if you really note the overall sort of fluctuation of the currencies yes the currency depreciates faster in one year than another but overall if you take an average basis Uh, the last 10 years has given a currency depreciation only about 3.5 to 3.8 percent, and obviously the current uh, year's currency depreciation, uh, the next year may be slightly uh, sort of lesser because the whole atmosphere in terms of the globe might actually change at that point in time, and who knows if the recession hits uh, larger parts of the world, there can be a faster reversal of the current tightening. Uh, than what we anticipate at this point in time so so the point again that i'm trying to make is that there are many moving pieces to the to monetary policy adjustment that the world is undergoing uh, many many dimensions to the inflation that the world is seeing uh, it is not an inflation that has manifested over a very short period of time it has been uh, there in the works for uh, quite a bit of time aggravated however by the fact that covid affected supply side dynamics in a very significant way uh, the the bigger worry to me is the on the indian debt side coming back to the indian debt uh, debt story the bigger uh, issue to look at is the short term debt uh, and short term debt uh, as a proportion of your overall uh, fx resources or as a proportion of uh, the total uh, external debt Uh, that is still significantly lower than the 2013 levels so the immediate run in terms of how much dollars are needed out of your coffers to repay uh, may not be quite significant at this point in time and that that's the positive side uh, of the story so far at the debt as the debt build up is is being talked about uh, further i think the rbi is uh, by its recent policies they've attempted to uh, sort of widen the uh or a scope uh, via which we can raise more debt uh in terms of the changes that have come about on the ecb policy the interest cap going some benefit benefit given provided to the fiis uh further uh, some benefits in terms of uh, sort of crr and slr dispensation having been been provided for fcnrp uh, sort of raising that the banks do so all that uh, is pointing out to a direction whereby uh, we uh, sort of tend to uh, get forex currencies from the rest of the world uh, yes uh, uh, that adds to the debt for the future but that also helps tide uh, the current payment pressures that might uh, actually appear no it doesn't seem to me that the that the external cost or the external borrowing as such is a matter of concern at this point of time of course we have to you know keep an eye on on how things turn out if 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 the exchange rate keeps depreciating uh, but at this point of time it doesn't seem to me to be an exact matter of concern uh, why is that because the total out, uh, you know outflow is to, to be expected this year is like any other year or any data that gives you comfort that is saying not to concern right now dr das gupta 
No, no, it's, it's not a question of being, you know, having a specific kind of comfort. What I'm saying is that uh, the kind of uh, external, I mean, any rise in the exchange rate depreciation will have a pressure on the interest payment for sure. But the extent of external debt GDP ratio, which, which is associated with the kind of crisis in developing countries, uh, the Indian economy has not hit that level of external debt GDP ratio. Yes, it, I, I was talking in that specific context. Okay, so some of the reports that seem to uh, take comfort, saying the situation is, you know, needs watching, but you know, not too bad. We uh, probably better off than we were in 2013 when you look at specific ratios. Um, is it even fair to compare ourselves with what we were in 2013? Because both of these, uh, the taper tantrum uh, in 2013, and now where we are coming out of a pandemic, which is once in a century. Uh, sort of occurrence, and then the war, uh, which struck us like a curveball. Uh, do you think it's even fair to compare ourselves uh, and take comfort? Uh, there are some ratios that seem to give comfort, saying we are not uh, as badly off as we were in 2013. Both in terms of forex reserves as a portion of uh, external debt, forex reserves as a portion of import cover. You know, in those contexts. We were far worse uh, in 2013. Far, uh, you know, we are better, much better placed right now. And the context, of course, is forex reserves. But do you think it's even fair, or we have to have certain ratios if you were to counsel the RBI? No, no. I, yes, I, I think the comparison, as far as the quantity levels of foreign exchange reserves are concerned, uh, I think that uh, that may not give us the correct answer because the ex entire expectation structure of the of, of the economy is different. Uh, I mean, as compared to 2013, because if you remember that after 2013, India also witnessed a mini boom uh, just before just before the demonetization. And, and that was a period of, of reduction in the international oil prices. Uh, so the entire state of the global economy, the entire state of the expectation structure uh, in 2013 was different from the present period. And uh, one important issue I think which needs to be kept in mind perhaps, uh, if not only as compared to 2013, uh, that entire phase between say 2013 just before demonetization, uh, as well as the decade of 2000s, in the decade of 2000s, there was a global boom which was driving the Indian economy. Uh, between 2013-14 and just before demonetization, uh, there was uh, there was an, a positive exogenous a positive exogenous shock in terms of reduction in the oil prices. At this point of time, um, the global demand seems to be limited, uh, as well as there is an added uh, adverse shocks both in terms of exchange rate movements as well as food prices. Uh, so I think that the, the situation would be fundamentally different. You know, before we wrap up our discussion, just one more query, uh, Dr. Dasgupta, if we ha I have to go slightly on a tangent uh, to our discussion line of thought here and look at job creation. Uh, and you have written extensively on the fragility of uh, economic growth. Uh, so which means, you know, the capital spending by the government typically leads uh, private capital spending and that typically leads job creation and prosperity. Um, given the current exogenous shocks, what do you think the government should be doing? Because it looks like, you know, for some time as a country, we've been struggling to ensure that job creation is happening at the pace at which graduates are coming out of uh, institutions. There's a huge gap, obviously. Um, and even labor participation seems to be a challenge uh, 
that ratio has been slowly declining over the past few months if I go by CMI data. Uh, would you have any counsel for, you know, what else we could do as a country for the government? No, I think there is a there is a plethora of government expenditures which need to be incurred, uh, but which is otherwise constrained, as I said, because of the existing uh, fiscal policy rule. One requires additional government expenditures in, in terms of making more uh, you know, educated workforce, spending government expenditure in terms of employment guarantees to resolve the employment question, and uh, spending government expenditures in terms of capital expenditures to, to boost growth uh, and, and demand. Now, all these roles which government expenditure should play, um, particularly in, in, in the present period, gets restricted by A, uh, the fiscal policy rule which uh, exclusively targets the stability of debt-GDP ratio. And second, at the given uh, corporate tax-GDP ratio, what needs to be noted is that in the last few years, uh, the corporate tax GDP ratio in the last 10 years have registered a secular decline. And this, of course, has further squeezes the fiscal space on spending on different kinds of activities, be it the capital expenditures or expenditures on employment guarantee. So, uh, so a short answer that requires uh, a, a rise in the government expenditures to a significant level in different aspects. Mr. Pan. So, uh, my first comment uh, here in in context of the government policies is that, uh, or even the RBI policies, I think uh, uh, I would have been happier uh, seeing these policies coming through in the monetary policy commentary uh, rather than sort of a, a sudden knee-jerk announcement in the, uh, in the middle of a month, uh, simply because I think to a certain extent it affects the sentiments uh, of the market as to raising some bit of a doubt whether the RBI is uh, running out of resources to actually defend the currency, which necessarily is not the case as we have discussed. So I would have been happier to see, therefore, these policies uh, being announced as a part of the monetary policy statement uh, under the regulatory section. Uh, and uh, that might have uh, uh, led to uh, a more uh, sort of balanced view being taken by the market. Now, having said that, I think uh, uh, the um, uh, critical areas that the government needs to look at is how to prevent uh, inflationary pressures uh, getting uh, more widespread. Uh, there may not be too many avenues immediately to uh, open the tap and expect flows to come in because it is not a problem so far as India only is concerned. It is a bigger global problem where you see monetary policy accommodation being removed, uh, not only from an interest rate side, but also as uh, in terms of the liquidity, whereby the quantitative easing is going and quantitative tightening is taking over. So the push factor that we needed to see from the rest of the world, which was operational post-2008, that is going away at this point. The pull factor is what you can work on. Pull factor means the overall macro atmosphere that you operate in. Uh, that is uh, what you need to really work on. Now, uh, if you uh, therefore sort of enhance the campus uh, canvas to talk about uh, the twin deficit problem in India, uh, which was also there in, uh, say, 2013, uh, when we saw that huge currency depreciation post the taper tantrum announcement, we have a twin deficit problem today coming more from the fiscal side 
rather than the current account side. So if you really accumulate the fiscal uh, uh, deficit as a proportion of GDP and the current account deficit together, we are as wide today as a twin deficit as we were in 2013. Uh, now, in this context, I think the current account is at around, say, we are expecting around 3%. The current account in uh, 2013 was at around 4.5%. So the critical action that needs to be taken is more on how you manage your finances and have a course chalked out in terms of how you intend to bring the deficit and the government's debt down. So that relatively improves your macro atmosphere and will provide a signal to the external world in terms of the, the comfort that the external world has always been trying to get uh, to put in money in an emerging market economies. So, the, so clearly, I think uh, we need to work on our macro uh, holes rather than uh, really trying to uh, sort of do very grandiose things in terms of opening up the tap and expect that you would have a significant amount of forex flows coming in. Excellent. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Pan. Uh, I've exhausted my list of questions. Anything else you think we should be discussing? Dr. Das Gupta? Um, no, thanks a lot for having me here. Uh, it was great talking to you. But I think uh, more importantly, what the question of uh, inflation, uh, which is a logical consequence of falling rupee, that needs to be dealt with uh, very seriously. And for that, uh, fiscal policy uh, needs to be reconsidered to the extent that the government can compensate the income of those whose wages or income are not linked to the prices. Mr. Pan? Uh, no, I think we have more or less uh, done the whole gamut so far as the rupee is concerned. Uh, that was a, a good uh, discussion that we have had. And that's it from my side. Thank you very much. Great. It was uh, insightful uh, speaking with you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time that you spent with us. Thanks. Again.